Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you a woman who's going to help you in so many areas of your life. Uh, I love speaking to all these women whose passion is to help women. It has been my privilege to speak to so many of these women. They're leaders in their fields and decided after talking to all these smart, amazing women, how about putting a book together? It's called Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. And it's actually now already listed on Amazon for pre-ordering. For the next few weeks, I've invited back some of the amazing leading women co-authors for this book. Today, I'm excited to, to welcome Dr. Lois Frankel. Lois is the president of Corporate Coaching International, and she has written several international bestsellers to help women become leaders, which we need so very, very much, including the book, See Jane Lead, and Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. Lois has won numerous awards, including the L.A. County Commission for Women's, Women's Woman of the Year. And her, cha- her chapter in our book is called Eight Key Ways Women Become Natural and Necessary Leaders. So I'm excited to talk with her about everything that's going on, women in leadership, and about all her new work, and of course the Leading Woman book. Well, Lois, thank you so much for coming back, and thank you so much for being a co-author with Leading Women. 20 women share secrets of success uh, with business leadership and life, so thank you so very much. Nancy, thank you. Thank you for putting the book together and for having me. This has always been one of my uh, dreams is to bring together lots of smart, amazing women who we share similar passions and we have the same mission to really help women as far as their leadership abilities, empowering women to just be all they can be and help other women to do the same. Because I know I was just uh, looking at your uh, website about Bloom Again. So, you know, taking your time, your talent, and your and your passion and making a difference, but giving back. I think this is, this is something so very, very important, but uh, I see you're doing that. You know, as I said, this is about you. You know, there's no mistakes why any of us do what we're doing, and the fact that we're all coming together, there's no mistakes there either. But your personal story and who you are and what you do is so very, very important to so many women. I know you do so much corporate uh, coaching and really talking to other women, but they really want to know your story. I think that's what really we're so good at is that we can connect at such a, a deep, authentic level. But I always like to start out right there. So tell me about you and how you got to be how, – how did you get to be Lois Fra- Dr. Lois Frankel today? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm going to start where I think it's appropriate, and that is I worked for ARCO, the oil company, back in the 1970s and the 1980s in human resources. And I went to work there right after I got my master's in counseling because my real dream was to become a psychotherapist. So I got my master's, and then, I, you know, I didn't, wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. And uh, the placement director at the college where I got my master's, she said, you know, there's this company called Anaconda Aluminum, and they're looking for someone to write job descriptions for the summer. And I thought, oh, you know, I could do that. I could write job. I'm a pretty good writer. I could write job descriptions. So I went over there, and I interviewed. And sure enough, I got the job to write the job descriptions. And then before the summer was over, I had them done. 
And I went to my boss there, and I said, you know, because what was happening really was I was making more money than I ever made in my life. Not that it was a lot, but it was yeah. more than I ever made in my life because I spent my career in residence hall work up till then. I was a residence hall director on campuses. Sure. So I thought, so I thought, wow, I like having this money. So I went to my boss and I said, you know what, you could really use me in these ways. And I wrote a whole proposal, and he was so impressed that I did that that he hired me. <laughs> and that was in 1976. Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, from there, I transferred to ARCO, which was, uh, Anaconda was a subsidiary of ARCO. I transferred to ARCO, and I worked there for 10 years. Now, about midway through, I realized I wasn't really cut out to, I don't know, be a corporate kind of person. It just, it just didn't suit my personality. On the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Uh-huh. So I'm a doer, but it's like I knew, you know, when, when you think about it, moving up the le- corporate ladder, all the Fs drop out. So I knew that I wasn't well-suited probably for a, a, a long-term career in corporate life. So I went back to school to get my Ph.D., and I thought, I'm going to finish this dream to become a psychotherapist. I get my Ph.D., I go to the powers that be at ARCO, and I say, you know what, you've paid $50,000 for my Ph.D. in counseling psychology, uh, I'd like to use it in the employee assistance program. And they said, and I think this happens to a lot of women, they sure. said, you know, you're doing great where you are. Just stay there. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, you know what, I didn't work that long and that hard to just stay where I am. And and as I said, I think what happens when we change in the workplace, people don't see us change. They yeah. see us for who we are when we came in, yeah. which is really why I tell women, do, if if you if you have a degree and your goal is to get into the professional ranks, don't come in in the administrative ranks. Not that there's anything wrong with being an administrative assistant. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. At the same time, if you've gotten your degree and your goal is to get into um, a different level in that company, it's going to be a lot harder because people are going to always see you as the administrative assistant. So anyway... So I picked up my marbles. I opened up a, a private practice of psychotherapy in downtown Los Angeles because there were no other therapists in downtown Los Angeles. And I was used to working downtown at ARCO. Uh-huh. So I opened up this private practice, and I'm doing it for about a year, and I think to myself, you know what, she made another mistake here. <laughs> it's like it, no, you it heard wasn't... a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, yeah, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the yes buts. I, I think that's finally when I I quit doing a lot of sit down therapy when there were so many yes buts. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, Nancy, for me, it was that moment when I wanted to jump across the couch. Uh-huh. and put my hands around my client's neck and say, how many times are we going to talk about the same thing that I thought, you know what, you should really be doing something different. Right. And and that was a very difficult decision because if you think, you know, uh, by that point I was, you know, between 35 and 40, I don't remember how old. And But I thought, gee, my whole life all I wanted to do was be a therapist. Now I'm a therapist, you don't want to do this. You gave yeah. up a great job. What are you going to do for an encore, Lois? And, you know, I thought about it, and as, you know, as the fates have it, a woman that I had done some training for, because I had done some training on the side, leadership training and management training, she contacted me, and this was about 1987, and she said, you know, Lois, uh, would you be willing to coach someone for me? Now, Nancy, I had no idea what a coach does 
<laughs> but I thought it had to be better than being a therapist. And that's another tip that I give to clients. And I say, hey, you don't have to know 150% what you're going to do. You're smart. Right. You'll figure it out. But women are not, aren't good at that. They think they need training. Men go, oh, sure, I can wing it. But, yeah, you're right. You don't have to know everything. In fact, it's sometimes better not to know anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and in this case, it was really good not to know anything. Yeah. Be- because when they sent me my first client, and back then you got sent for coaching because you were bad. Nowadays everybody wants a coach. But but back then in 1987, um, you know, I got the people that were too painful to keep and too valuable to lose. Right, yeah. So um, the client said to me, you know, you've you've been a, you know, you're a therapist, you've done training, you've worked in human resources, you put them together, you have a coach. Now, I have no idea what a coach is supposed to do, but in walks that first client, and I start the only place I know how to start, which from a kind of a psychotherapeutic approach, and the woman was sent to me because nobody wanted to work with her. She was oh. described as aloof, grandstanding, uh-huh. um Oh, kind of oh, would kiss up to management, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so management loved her, but her peers really didn't want much to do with her. So in she walks, and I have no idea where to start, Nancy, so I just start where I know how. And I said, Nancy, oh, and her name happened to be Nancy also. That's okay. I said, you can use the name. Go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Nancy, um, why don't you tell me a little bit of what it was like growing up in your household? Luckily for me, she went with the program. And she told me how she grew up in a German household. She was told to um, keep her nose clean, work hard, respect authority, don't make any waves, don't do things just because everyone else is doing them. And a light bulb went on, and that changed my life. And it was this, that what derails people in their careers is over-reliance on messages that you got in childhood. Hmm. Because you know about the repetition compulsion. We sure. repeat over and over behaviors that are well, known and familiar to us. Attitudes, what we, we're, we're the only place you learn them is when you're growing up as a small child in your family. Sure, absolutely. Exactly. And so um, so I started a, uh, a coaching business before there were any. I say I was a pioneer in the field of business coaching. I started a coaching business, and we used this model of let's take a look at very briefly where you came from so mm-hmm. we can see where you're getting stuck and you can rewrite your script in the future. Yeah. So that's really how I got into the coaching business. It's been 27 years and it has truly changed my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it was changed out of pain, really. Out yeah. of pain for the things I didn't want to do until I could find the thing that I did want to do. But but isn't it isn't it refreshing because you went from and I guess that's what I can as a as a psychologist I can relate to that but you went from a place of working with many people who really uh, were, didn't necessarily want to be there to people who are now highly motivated and really want to be with you and are so excited to hear what you have to say. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And there's another piece to that. They want you. They want to be with you. <laughs> oh, they do because. They were hungry. The leverage with them was I could help them get exactly what they wanted. Now, it was the the same is true in psychotherapy, but as you know, the dynamic is so much different. Well, people don't. People say they want to change, but that isn't necessarily true because it it does require a lot of hard work, 
and it also requires things that may be very uncomfortable, and a lot of people don't really like you when you change. And I think that's something, especially with coaching, you have to understand as well, is that systemically, you know, it's, it, it is a process. But So here you are now, working with women. You, I love the book. Uh, see, uh, in fact, I think that was the first time that we really talked was that C. Jane Lee was the book that we talked about. But it's such a good book. And now the chapter that you wrote, Eight Key, eight key Ways Women Become Natural and Necessary Leaders. I, I guess my question is, you, you've been in this business for a long time and you've been working with women to help them to get into leadership roles, get, the, get them through the door to, to become leaders in, in corporate America and different companies and even leaders in their own companies that they've developed. But do, do you see any trends or do you see things improving? Because I, I, personally, I personally think I do, you know, and I, and I think that part of the reason I think that's happening is because women are now really, really starting to support one another. Well, you know, I agree with what you're saying. Has there been improvement? I'm going to say there's been some improvement, but it's been at glacial speed. Yeah, it is It is at glacial speed, but then this is why this chapter I think is so important is that be, women are natural leaders. Women are important, necessary leaders, you know, leaders in all capacities of life, and that's all about empowering and helping women to understand that. You know, I, 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 I'm just going to get on my podium for a minute here, and then I'll, then I'll step down. But it's amazing to me, in fact, I just spoke to a large group of uh, women here recently, actually in Irvine, and, it's, and what I started out by saying is something I think that's going to be part of my, part of something in my, in, when I talk to, to groups again, is I want to remind you, and I think this is what we, what we have to start doing. You're talking, you know, you talk about feminization, but I think we start, have to start reminding women of who they are and what they have and what abilities and talents they have to truly become who they want to be, you know, what, who and what they want to become. So so I think that's where I'm starting to see more of this, is that women are hungry for this. They, are, they want it, but yet also they're afraid of power. They're afraid of control. They're afraid of not being liked. And, and it it's, gets in their way. It gets in their way. I, I like the book, Nice Girls. You know, nice girls don't get the corner office. So, I mean, just in that realm, what what can you say about all that? Yeah, you're you're 100% right about everything that you're saying, Nancy. And, you know, my experience is that when you talk about women in power, and that was actually my very first book, and it was called uh, Women, Anger, and Depression, Strategies for Self-Empowerment. It was based on that short time that I was a therapist. And because when... Don't forget, I was working in downtown Los Angeles, so the kinds oh, yeah. of women I was seeing were pretty high-power women. And they would come in, and they would tell me how they were being treated either in their marriages or relationships or at work, and I would look at them and I would say, how could a powerful woman like you yeah. let yeah. herself be treated like that? And to a person, to a person, they said, me? I'm not powerful. Yeah. Now, that's again changed slightly as, as parents have given girls different messages uh, about growing up. But what happens is, regardless of the messages you get, whether they're good or they're bad in childhood, 
the fact is, as you get into society, when you start school, when you start watching television, seeing movies, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, all the bets are off because we have certain stereotypes for women. And as hard as you try to break that stereotype, people want to keep bringing you back to, but you you should be a nice girl. People won't like you if you're too this, that, or the other thing. And, but you know and, what, I, I, I yeah. talk about likability, but I think and when you talk about likability in a different way, is when you are in a position, you know, it is about being authentic. It is about developing relationships. And I think, if again, I think terminology really confuses women. Because when, when, we, when I talk about power, it's power to, not power of. And Good point. If, if we, when we start talking to women about these things and when they begin to understand what these, these tools and these, these resources they actually have, then, then they start to understand. But even leadership, I, I've had women, you know, uh, I'm involved with an organization of women. It's called Female Leaders in Philanthropy, and it's all about women in, in, who are basically, they're, they're in business, but it's taking their time, their talent, and really giving back to women who need help. And they go, and I've heard so many women go, well, I, I can't join that group. And they go, well, well, why can't you? And they go, well, I'm not a leader. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is where, where I get confused is why women uh, are still confused about power, still confused about being a leader, and, and confused about, you know, being liked or not liked. You know, that's 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 something that I, I think that there's the key. But I, but I don't know about you, Lois, but I think it's really – it's really about you and this community we're developing, which is basically I support you, you know? Yeah. I, I support you. I, you know, I, I want to enhance what you're doing. I want to collaborate with you. I want to, uh, I want to ele- help to elevate you to where you want to go. And, and I don't know, do you see that as, as uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I do see that many, many, many women do want to support and help other women. You know, does the queen bee syndrome still exist? Sure. But but we want to think about why it exists. And it exists because as you go up corporate ladders and as you climb, the opportunities become fewer and fewer, especially for women. And so uh, too often women come from a place of kind of emotional poverty. There's not enough to go around, so I better hang on to what I have. And then there's another thing that happens is that men accuse women. I was just talking about this the other night with um, two African-American friends. It was a couple. And we were talk- first we were talking about African-Americans, and then I was saying, you know, but the same thing happens to women, that if I come into a leadership position and I bring in the people I know and trust who happen to be other women, all of a sudden it's, oh, she's just doing that because they're women. Well, that's my cohort group. That's who yeah. I trust. Just like men bring in other men who are their cohort group. But we get accused of being sex, kind of opposite sexism by bringing in all these women. Or if you're African-American and you bring in other African-Americans, we were specifically talking about um, Dick Parsons at Time Warner. And just I was saying I didn't see him do much for other African Americans, and so so the same thing happens to women I think where we become afraid. We become afraid to support other women because we don't want to be labeled a feminist, as if that's yeah. the worst thing that yeah. can happen. Yeah. Now that's one thing, but something else that you did say to me, and I, I want to speak to, and that is this whole notion of women being fearful of stepping up to the leadership plate. The fact is, is that women make phenomenal leaders. 
they have throughout history. Throughout history, women have made phenomenal leaders. They just don't call themselves leaders. Uh-huh. If you look at who started Planned Parenthood, the PTA, you know, the Red Cross, yeah. so many women started. In, mm-hmm. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they didn't call themselves leaders because they thought it was presumptuous or too bold. And I think it's time for women to be able to say, you know what, it's not presumptuous to call myself a leader if I get people to follow me places where we need to go. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think you're right. The, the outcome is what women are working to or for. There, you know, again, the outcome is, is if I can go in and help this or do this or produce this and find the, the people and the tools and the resources to do all those things, which women are so very, very good at doing. You know, you can put five women in a room and, and, and you can hammer out a, an event. You'll have a budget for it. You'll have a date for it. You'll have it ready to go. And it's, it's done. I mean, that's how good we are at organizing, seeing the big picture and bringing people together to collaborate and create create the uh, the venue itself. But women are also not very good at taking credit for it either. No. Women don't toot their horn. They don't go around and, you know, a man, you can go into a, a social networking kind of event and you've got his, uh, you, you know how much he makes, you know what his golf score is, you know his handicap, you know what, uh, what school he went, what university he went to, you know how many children he has, how many times he's been married, you know what he does for fun. And women don't do that. We don't go in there and say, hi, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly. I mean, I do. <laughs> I mean, I do. I'm sorry. I do. Yeah, I'm not sorry. I mean, I, I, that's who I am. <laughs> because if we don't start doing those kinds of things, we'll, we'll never, it's like telling your story. Who are you? What's exciting about you? You know, what's authentic about you? You know, why, do I, why would I want to hang out with you? Why would I want to spend time with you? And that's, it, and that's whether it's in the workplace or, which means I want to work with you, I want to be with you, I want to learn from you, or in the community, or any place else in the world. You know, and I think that's what we need to keep working on: is that we have all these skills, we have this knowledge, we have these skills, but why are we holding back? Well, you know, I think one of well, I think there's some good reasons we feel like we need to hold back. It, well, I say they're good reasons, but they're not good enough to hold back. But but I think for women, what happens is. When we do become assertive, appropriately assertive, then we get labeled a bitch. When we do negotiate to win, then we get labeled greedy. So women are rightfully afraid of the labels that often come with being a powerful person. But you said it earlier, Nancy. You said something about likability. And I think, I can't tell you how many women have told me that they walked by my book on the shelf many times. Nice girls don't get the corner office. But they didn't buy it because they thought I was going to suggest you can't be nice and be successful when right. nothing is further from the truth. That yeah. n- there's probably nothing more important to your success than your likability. It's everything, but it's the same ter- same for men. I mean, if exactly. Control, I mean, you can use power and control, but and you may follow someone like that uh, for so long, but you're not going to like them. You're not going to. You're not going. It's, they're not going to be charismatic. You probably as soon as. As soon as you even see a weakness in their in their style or whatever, you'll probably run to the hills, or you or you or you'll go ahead and put them up for whatever you know. But but yeah, likability is everything. Well, yeah. If you if you compare 
Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton on a scale of likability, most people would say that Bill outweighs Hillary on that scale. And it's one of the reasons why he got elected and she has not yet gotten elected. And I think she's been working on that likability. Yeah, you're right. Had so many women after she, uh, after the, the whatever incident, you know, with what's her name, the girl, the intern. I can't remember her name even now. Monica Lewinsky, yeah. After Monica Lewinsky, when women said, I'm not going to vote for her because she didn't leave. Yeah, didn't which is short sighted. Yeah, but I'm just saying that it was interesting to hear what women, yeah. the reason why women weren't going to vote for her is because they didn't respect her because she didn't leave. You right. Know, they, didn't th- they didn't even think about what all the other dynamics, which is basically, you know, she promoted him to be a leader and he could promote her now to be a leader, and she knew that and they knew that. So, you know, I mean, it's, it is interesting. Yeah, there are those beliefs, there are those attitudes out there, but that's, what we, that's why you and I are out there beating our drum. Okay, we're out there beating the drum, and we're and, and you're working with the coaching clients, and we're work, I'm working with the the women in the women organizations and whatever, and we're and we're we're re- reminding them this is who you are, this this is what you're able to accomplish. But but you know we know one thing about women; they really do like to make you know we want to make a difference. We want to have a better world. We want a better world for our families. We want a better world to live in. A better community. So we're very, very good at seeing that big picture, and I think that's where we convince women that we need your leadership. We need your voice. We need your time, your talents, and your treasures to make a difference. Well, yeah, if you just just look around the world, I mean, this is what I tell women. Look around the world and tell me what you see. What I see is war. I see poverty. I see famine. I see corporate greed, and we're not leading the world. So, you know, there was a wonderful book that I wish I wrote, and it was called Gather the Women, Save the World. Uh And it talked about the fact that when women come together, they do exactly what you said, Nancy. They crank it out. They fix the problem. And that's why we need more women's voices at the table. Yeah, I I love that, you know, get get a seat at the table, you know, because the example is, you know, in, in a boardroom, and I'm, I'm I'm on bank boards, I'm on different boards, and I'm, I definitely are, I'm in the minority, is that the assistants, all the other women sit on the outside of the table. Yes. The room, the room is full, the, the board of directors sit at the table, I'm sitting there, but the women around, you know, that that are not in that, what, that self-esteem position or whatever they think it is, sit around the edge of the room. And, and that's what we want to stop. We want more and more women, you know, coming to the table and saying, scoot over. I want to sit here. And I'm so I, and, glad and to hear you, you say that. Yeah. And once you sit there, say something. If you're yep. going to get at the table, if you're going to sit at the table, say something. You know, have your ideas. And, and make sure that, that, that you receive credit for your ideas as well. You know, don't let somebody else at the table take it. You agree, uh, whatever. But also say, this is my idea. It's a great idea. They go, yes, it is a great idea. Exactly. Sheryl well, Sandberg talks about something that's so very, very important. It's it's called confidence. It's called confidence, and I love her her thing where it says, "What would you do if you weren't afraid?" You know, and then she's got all these girls, these women, putting this sign up. If I wasn't afraid, this is what I would do. And and when I talk to women, I talk about fear a lot, because it really is. You know, we we don't want to cause a rift. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. We don't want to embarrass other people. Fear of not being liked, that fear of, of being embarrassed, that fear of, you know, 
you know, as my grandmother said, she said, Nancy, you must have shown your petticoat. (laughs) When I I would come in there, I'd be complaining or whining about something. She says, well, you must have shown your petticoat or, you know. Or she'd say, remember, Nancy, pretty is as pretty does. You know, I'd be like, oh, good grief. Well, we're getting there. I, I believe we're getting there. You're coaching and you're, and you're seeing more and more women I know that are going, I want to be a leader or I want to accomplish these goals in this company or this in my own company. And to do so, I want to be someone that people will, will follow. I like that. I, I really like that. You know, people that will, if you're charismatic and you're someone that you can bring people together and get something done, that's very, very special. And you know what? We know women can. And they do. Well, they do it all the time. You know, I always say to women, if you've helped a friend get out of a difficult relationship, you're a leader. If you have kids that aren't on drugs, you're a leader. Because that ability to influence people is such a strong part of leadership. You know, that's an interesting, interesting thought that when they look at this book, when they see leading women, 20 women sharing secrets of business, leadership, and life, it'll be interesting to see. But you know the, who we are. Who we are targeting are women that already are smart and amazing, and they're women that really want to stay that way, and then they want to help other women to do the very same thing. So you know that's who we're who we're hoping this market will be is women that really, really they get it. You get it. I get it. They get it. Yeah, and and I, I like what you're saying. Is it's almost like you know each one teach one. Each one of us who has been successful in achieving our goals has a responsibility to make sure that those coming up behind us get to achieve their full potential too. Yeah, I mean, for me, having a mentor, being a mentor, you know, it's it's all about, I mean, when you need something, the right person shows up. It's a matter of really being able to listen and to understand they're there for you. But it, it works both ways. It works both ways. You know, we're giving and taking all the time, or not taking or receiving, but... Well, we could talk about this a long time, and I could probably get get really going even more so. But actually, anyone who wants to purchase, pre-purchase the book is, is on Amazon. It comes out December 5th. But I'm so excited about the book and your Chapter 8, Key Ways Women Become Natural and Necessary Leaders. Is We want everyone to read this. It's It's important. I'm with you, Nancy. Thank you so much. Congratulations and continued success in your work and, and exciting and uh, challenging and helping so many people to, 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 live their, to find their dreams and live those dreams. So thank you for being with me, and I know I'll be seeing you again soon. I hope so. Take care, Nancy. Have a great day.